two, chapters twelve and thirteen of the Wars of the Jews. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Andrew Coleman. The Wars of the Jews by Josephus, translated by William Whiston, Book Two, chapters twelve and thirteen. Chapter twelve. Many tumults under Cumanus, which were composed by Quadratus. Felix is procurator of Judea. Agrippa is advanced from Chalcis to a greater kingdom. Now after the death of Herod, king of Chalcis, Claudius set Agrippa, the son of Agrippa, over his uncle's kingdom, while Cumanus took upon him the office of procurator of the rest, which was a Roman province and therein he succeeded Alexander, under which Cumanus began the troubles, and the Jews' ruin came on. For when the multitude were come together to Jerusalem, to the feast of unleavened bread, and Roman cohorts stood over the cloisters of the temple, for they always were armed, and kept guard at the festivals, to prevent any innovation which the multitude thus gathered together might make, one of the soldiers pulled back his garment, and carrying down after an indecent manner, turned his breach to the Jews, and spake such words as you might expect upon such a posture. At this the whole multitude had indignation, and made a clamour to Cumanus, that he would punish the soldier, while the rasher part of the youth, and such as were naturally the most tumultuous, fell to fighting, and caught up stones, and threw them at the soldiers upon which Cumanus was afraid lest all the people should make an assault upon him, and sent to call for more armed men, who, when they came in great numbers into the cloisters, the Jews were in a very great consternation, and being beaten out of the temple, they ran into the city, and the violence with which they crowded to get out was so great, that they trod upon each other, and squeezed one another, till ten thousand of them were killed, insomuch that this feast became the cause of mourning to the whole nation, and every family lamented their own relations. Now there followed after this another calamity, which arose from a tumult made by robbers. For at the public road at Bethboron, one Stephen, a servant of Caesar, carried some furniture which the robbers fell upon and seized. Upon this Cumanus sent men to go round about to the neighbouring villages, and to bring their inhabitants to him bound, as laying it to their charge that they had not pursued after the thieves and caught them. Now here it was that a certain soldier, finding the sacred book of the law, tore it to pieces and threw it into the fire. Footnote. Relin notes here that the Talmud, in recounting ten sad accidents for which the Jews ought to rend their garments, reckons this for one when they hear that the law of God is burnt. End footnote. Hereupon the Jews were in great disorder, as if their whole country were in a flame, and assembled themselves so many of them by their zeal for their religion, as by an engine, and ran together with united clamour to Caesarea, to Cumanus, and made supplication to him that he would not overlook this man, who had offered such an affront to God and to his law but punish him for what he had done. Accordingly he, perceiving that the multitude would not be quiet unless they had a comfortable answer from him, gave order that the soldiers should be brought, 
and drawn through those that required to have him punished, to execution, which being done, the Jews went their ways. After this there happened a fight between the Galileans and the Samaritans. It happened at a village called Geman, which is situate in the great plain of Samaria, where, as a great number of Jews were going up to Jerusalem to the Feast of Tabernacles, a certain Galilean was slain, and besides, a vast number of people ran together out of Galilee, in order to fight with the Samaritans. But the principal men among them came to Cumanus, and besought him that, before the evil became incurable, he would come into Galilee, and bring the authors of this murder to punishment, for that there was no other way to make the multitude separate without coming to blows. However, Cumanus postponed their supplications to the other affairs he was then about, and sent the petitioners away without success. But when the affair of this murder came to be told at Jerusalem, it put the multitude into disorder, and they left the feast, and without any generals to conduct them, they marched with great violence to Samaria, nor would they be ruled by any of the magistrates that were set over them, but they were managed by one Eleazar, the son of Dinius, and by Alexander, in these their thievish and seditious attempts. These men fell upon those that were in the neighbourhood of the Agrabatine Topaki, and slew them, without sparing any age, and set the villages on fire. But Cumanus took one troop of horsemen, called the troop of Sebasti, out of Caesarea, and came to the assistance of those that were spoiled. He also seized upon a great number of those that followed Eleazar, and slew more of them. And as for the rest of the multitude of those that went so zealously to fight with the Samaritans, the rulers of Jerusalem ran out clothed with sackcloth, and having ashes on their head, and begged of them to go their ways, lest by their attempt to revenge themselves upon the Samaritans they should provoke the Romans to come against Jerusalem, to have compassion upon their country and temple, their children and their wives, and not bring the utmost dangers of destruction upon them, in order to avenge themselves upon one Galilean only. The Jews complied with these persuasions of theirs, and dispersed themselves, but still there were a great number who betook themselves to robbing, in hopes of impunity, and rapines and insurrections of the bolder sort happened over the whole country. And the men of power among the Samaritans came to Tyre, to Amidius Quadratus, the president of Syria, and desired that they that had laid waste the country might be punished. Footnote. This Umidius, or Numidius, or as Tacitus calls him, Vinidius Quadratus, is mentioned in an ancient inscription, still preserved, as Spanhelm here informs us, which calls him Umidius Quadratus. End footnote. The great men also of the Jews, and Jonathan the son of Ananus, the high priest, came thither, and said that the Samaritans were the beginners of the disturbance on account of that murder they had committed and that Cumanus had given occasion to what had happened by his unwillingness to punish the original authors of that murder. But Quadratus put both parties off for that time, and told them that when he should come to those places, he would make a diligent inquiry after every circumstance. After which he went to Caesarea, and crucified all those whom Cumanus had taken alive. And when from thence he was come to the city Lydda, he heard the affair of the Samaritans, and sent for eighteen of the Jews, 
whom he had learned to have been concerned in that fight, and beheaded them. But he sent two others of those that were of the greatest power among them, and both Jonathan and Ananias, the high priests, as also Artanus, the son of this Ananias, and certain others that were eminent among the Jews, to Caesar, as he did in like manner by the most illustrious of the Samaritans. He also ordered that Cumanus, the procurator, and Keller the tribune should sail to Rome, in order to give an account of what had been done, to Caesar. When he had finished these matters, he went up from Lydda to Jerusalem, and finding the multitude celebrating the feast of unleavened bread without any tumult, he returned to Antioch. Now when Caesar at Rome had heard what Cumanus and the Samaritans had to say, where it was done in the hearing of Agrippa, who zealously espoused the cause of the Jews, as in like manner many of the great men stood by Cumanus, he condemned the Samaritans, and commanded that three of the most powerful men among them should be put to death. He banished Cumanus, and sent Keller bound to Jerusalem, to be delivered over to the Jews to be tormented, that he should be drawn round the city, and then beheaded. After this Caesar sent Felix, the brother of Pallas, to be procurator of Galilee, and Samaria, and Peria, and removed Agrippa from Chalcis unto a greater kingdom, for he gave him the tetrarchy which had belonged to Philip, which contained Batanai, Trachonitis, and Gaulonitis, he added to it the kingdom of Lysanias, and that province, Abilene, which Verus had governed. But Claudius himself, when he had administered the government thirteen years, eight months, and twenty days, died, and left Nero to be his successor in the empire, whom he had adopted by his wife Agrippina's delusions, in order to be his successor. Although he had a son of his own, whose name was Britannicus, by Messalina, his former wife, and a daughter whose name was Octavia, whom he had married to Nero. He had also another daughter, by Petina, whose name was Antonia. Footnote. Take the character of this Felix, who is well known from the Acts of the Apostles, particularly from his trembling when St. Paul discoursed of righteousness, chastity, and judgment to come, Acts 24, verse 5, and no wonder, when we have elsewhere seen that he lived in adultery with Drusilla, another man's wife, in the words of Tacitus produced here by Dean Aldrich, Felix exercised, says Tacitus, the authority of a king with the disposition of a slave, and relying upon the great power of his brother Pallas at court, thought he might safely be guilty of all kinds of wicked practices. Observe also the time when he was made procurator, A.D. 52, that when St. Paul pleaded his cause before him, A.D. 58, he might have been many years a judge unto that nation, as St. Paul says he had then been, Acts 24, verse 10. But as to what Tacitus here says, that before the death of Cumanus, Felix was procurator over Samaria only, does not well agree with St. Paul's words, who would hardly have called Samaria a Jewish nation. In short, since what Tacitus here says is about countries very remote from Rome, where he lived, since what he says of two Roman procurators, the one over Galilee, the other over Samaria at the same time, is without example elsewhere, and since Josephus, who lived at that very time in Judea, appears to have known nothing of this procuratorship of Felix before the death of Cumanus, I much suspect the story itself as nothing better than a mistake of Tacitus, especially when it seems not only omitted, 
but contradicted by Josephus, as any one may find that compares their histories together. Possibly Felix might have been a subordinate judge among the Jews some time before under Cumanus, but that he was in earnest a procurator of Samaria before I do not believe. Bishop Pearson, as well as Bishop Lloyd, quote this account, but with a doubtful clause. Confides tacito, if we may believe Tacitus. End footnote. Chapter 13. Nero adds four cities to Agrippa's kingdom, but the other parts of Judea were under Felix. The disturbances which were raised by the Sicarii, the magicians, and an Egyptian false prophet. The Jews and Syrians have a contest at Caesarea. Now as to the many things in which Nero acted like a madman, out of the extravagant degree of the felicity and riches which he enjoyed, and by that means used his good fortune to the injury of others, and after what manner he slew his brother, and wife, and mother, from whom his barbarity spread itself to others that were most nearly related to him, and how at last he was so distracted that he became an actor in the scenes, and upon the theatre, I omit to say any more about them, because there are writers enough upon those subjects everywhere but I shall turn myself to those actions of his time in which the Jews were concerned. Nero therefore bestowed the kingdom of the lesser Armenia upon Aristobulus, Herod's son, footnote, i.e. Herod, king of Chalcis, end footnote. And he added to Agrippa's kingdom four cities, with the toparchies to them belonging, I mean Abila, and that Julius which is in Perea, Terechia also, and Tiberius of Galilee. But over the rest of Judea he made Felix procurator. This Felix took Eleazar, the arch-robber, and many that were with him, alive, when they had ravaged the country for twenty years together, and sent them to Rome. But as to the number of the robbers whom he caused to be crucified, and of those who were caught among them, and whom he brought to punishment, they were a multitude not to be enumerated. When the country was purged of these, there sprang up another sort of robbers in Jerusalem, which were called Sicarii, who slew men in the daytime and in the midst of the city. This they did chiefly at the festivals, when they mingled themselves among the multitude, and concealed daggers under their garments, with which they stabbed those that were their enemies. And when any fell down dead, the murderers became a part of those that had indignation against them by which means they appeared persons of such reputation that they could by no means be discovered. The first man who was slain by them was Jonathan the high priest, after whose death many were slain every day, while the fear men were in of being so served was more afflicting than the calamity itself, and while everybody expected death every hour, as men do in war, so men were obliged to look before them, and to take notice of their enemies at a great distance. Nor, if their friends were coming to them, does they trust them any longer. But, in the midst of their suspicions and guarding of themselves, they were slain. Such was the celerity of the plotters against them, and so cunning was their contrivance. There was also another body of wicked men gotten together, not so impure in their actions, 
but more wicked in their intentions, which laid waste the happy state of the city no less than did these murderers. These were such men as deceived and deluded the people under pretense of divine inspiration, but were for procuring innovations and changes of the government, and these prevailed with the multitude to act like madmen, and went before them into the wilderness, as pretending that God would there show them the signals of liberty. But Felix thought this procedure was to be the beginning of a revolt, so he sent some horsemen and footmen both armed, who destroyed a great number of them. But there was an Egyptian false prophet that did the Jews more mischief than the former, for he was a cheat, and pretended to be a prophet also, and got together thirty thousand men that were deluded by him. These he led round about from the wilderness to the mount which was called the Mount of Olives, and was ready to break into Jerusalem by force from that place. And if he could but once conquer the Roman garrison and the people, he intended to domineer over them by the assistance of those guards of his that were to break into the city with him. But Felix prevented his attempt, and met him with his Roman soldiers, while all the people assisted him in his attack upon them insomuch that when it came to a battle, the Egyptian ran away with a few others, while the greatest part of those that were with him were either destroyed or taken alive. But the rest of the multitude were dispersed every one to their own homes, and there concealed themselves. Now when these were quieted, it happened, as it does in a diseased body, that another part was subject to an inflammation, for a company of deceivers and robbers got together, and persuaded the Jews to revolt, and exhorted them to assert their liberty, inflicting death on those that continued in obedience to the Roman government, and saying that such as willingly chose slavery ought to be forced from such their desired inclinations. For they parted themselves into different bodies, and lay in wait up and down the country, and plundered the houses of the great men, and slew the men themselves, and set the villages on fire, and this till all Judea was filled with the effects of their madness. And thus the flame was every day more and more blown up, till it came to a direct war. There was also another disturbance at Caesarea. Those Jews who were mixed with the Syrians that lived there rising a tumult against them. The Jews pretended that the city was theirs, and said that he who built it was a Jew, meaning King Herod. The Syrians confessed also that its builder was a Jew, but they still said, however, that the city was a Grecian city, for that he who set up statues and temples in it could not design it for Jews. On which account both parties had a contest with one another, and this contest increased so much that it came at last to arms, and the bolder sort of them marched out to fight for the elders of the Jews were not able to put a stop to their own people that were disposed to be tumultuous, and the Greeks thought it a shame for them to be overcome by the Jews. Now these Jews exceeded the others in riches and strength of body, but the Grecian part had the advantage of assistance from the soldiery, for the greatest part of the Roman garrison was raised out of Syria, and being thus related to the Syrian part, they were ready to assist it. However, the governors of the city were concerned to keep all quiet, and whenever they caught those that were most for fighting on either side, they punished them with stripes and bands. 
yet did not the sufferings of those that were caught affright the remainder, or make them desist, but they were still more and more exasperated, and deeper engaged in the sedition. And as Felix came once into the market-place, and commanded the Jews, when they had beaten the Syrians, to go their ways, and threatened them if they would not, and they would not obey him, he sent his soldiers out upon them, and slew a great many of them, upon which it fell out that what they had was plundered. And as the sedition still continued, he chose out the most eminent men on both sides as ambassadors to Nero, to argue about their several privileges. End of Book 2 Chapters 12 and 13